This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning to you. Welcome in. We're going to be looking at law and order today, the Murfreesboro Police Department. And we have a group of friends in here this morning to answer your questions. So if you have any questions, you can text them to us at 615-893-1450. That seems to be the popular route to go, at least on Swap and Shop it is. Uh, and has been on this show, too, 615-893-1450. You can talk or text either one on that one phone number. You're in control, 615-893-1450. One of our regulars, Lieutenant Clayton Williams, is here. Morning, Good morning. Bart. How are you? I'm good. Uh, is it uh, cool enough for you outside? I would say unseasonably. It was a little <laughs> shocking this morning walk out. I had I don't know about anybody else, but I had some... Uh, ice puddles on the Did carport you? left over from the rain of it i was like that's really cold oh you gotta watch where you step on yes, those for sure uh, it was i think it's up to about 20 right now but it was 14 uh, 21 now but it was 14 when we came in this morning it was cold out there it's definitely one of those days i don't miss my motorcycle no <laughs> did you have to ride it on days like this i think we we had the option they, they would cut it off anything below 40 my I would dip a little bit farther than that, but if it was below freezing, it was, it was just uh, too much for me. I wasn't man enough to handle that. But you brought some friends with you. Yeah, I did. Uh, brought uh, Sergeant James Abbott with me. Uh, I know we have a lot of questions come in about some of the more recent <clears throat> excuse me, investigations that we're doing that may involve either shootings or, or, or homicide, and uh, he's kind of our resident expert in that field and uh, so i felt like we've been talking about bringing him on and wanting to so he could answer some of those questions and kind of shed some light on especially some of the more recent active cases that we've still got ongoing that where we may be looking for information or some of the ones that are a little bit older but we're still seeking out information and help from the public about so uh yeah he's a he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that sergeant abbott good to have you here today thank you and you get to use that uh the the great part in the new police headquarters uh where they have the laboratories and stuff like that for your yes studies. sir uh, that's a neat place yes sir it is it's it's really uh nice to have that what what does that enable you to do that maybe you could not have done before well one of the things that we've recently uh done once after uh moving into the facility we were at the time working on a grant and obtained the uh nobbin, uh which is uh uh, a, the firearms tracking, or not tracking, but the trace for ballistic evidence using shell casings or pistols that, that we uh, seize or shell casings that we seize or collect at crime scenes. And it, this has allowed us to give us new leads and new insights into investigations using this equipment. 
Um, this year alone, we've started almost 40-something investigations off of shell casings in, in farms that we have collected. Uh, what can you determine through those? We can actually match them up to other shootings. Um, a lot of times these shootings are a puzzle. And so when we go out to a shooting or a homicide, you may have shell casings and, and other information, but it's just not enough to bring the case to closure. When we're able to track and, and match these shell casings to other shootings and to other cases that are open, that may be a key piece of information once we start to look at that case again and say, okay, now we see where who may be the suspect is or who we may have had as a suspect before. So these casings and, sh- and firearms that we do collect and, and run through the Nibin system allows us uh, to um, investigate these cases more thoroughly. Uh, it also opens up leads for us a lot of times out of Memphis, Nashville, Chattanooga this year, uh, and several other cities around Middle Tennessee. We've had open cases uh, or been able to open cases based off of leads that we've received from the, from that uh, firearms examinations. So when you say that this person who's being a person of interest uh, may have ties to similar cases in Knoxville, Chattanooga, you do that through this. Thing. Yes, sir. And and so what happens is, is, like I said, we may not have all the information uh, about the case right there at the scene. But when we start looking at these linkages, we may call Chattanooga, and Chattanooga says, yeah, we arrested somebody with that firearm who also used it here in Chattanooga. And so we now have a, a viable suspect and now it's just a matter of building a case on that individual to determine if, if they were. Because you've got to keep in mind, a lot of times these firearms trade hands. So these, these firearms get moved around throughout the individual social network. Uh, you know, I might have a firearm, and I may pass it off to somebody, you know, one of my buddies, and they may then go use it. So you've got to actually follow up, but at least it gives you that starting point where if you're standing out there in the middle of the night, with shell casings, and that's all you have, uh, that's a lot more uh, to, to start with than, than what we used to have. Tell us some of the other tools that you have to work with to solve cases. I think people would be amazed with what we have here in Murfreesboro. Yes, sir. We also have the AFIS machine there in, the, uh, at the, in our laboratory there at the Murfreesboro Police Department, and they utilize that. We utilize that for fingerprint analysis. Um, and so when we go out to these scenes, they collect fingerprints from vehicles, different uh, crime scenes. And so we use this to match or we enter these fingerprints into this uh, system. And from that, then we, it checks the TBI database. Uh, and then at that point, it'll give us a name or some information on possible suspect. Okay. So these are some things that uh, you're able to... Uh, work with these days it's it's almost getting like the tv shows uh not quite as fast i don't you don't solve it in an hour usually <laughs> but uh you have you have here in murfreesboro the ability to to use some of those same tools we do and and there's checks and balances on it so that we can you know we verify all this information through the tbi as well um in the same way with the nibin system and the, and the fingerprints and of course we also uh, we have trained crime scene techs. Our, our, our forensic service unit, headed by Sergeant Henderson, does an ex- excellent job. 
uh, in the field when they go out and, and collect evidence for us. And this evidence is then uh, what we cannot process at our facility, we send to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations. Okay. So uh, tell us some of the situations that you're working. We don't have to hear all the details of the cases, but some of the things that you're working on right now at the Murfreesboro Police Department using these new tools. Well, as I said, this year we've, we've opened 40-something investigations into uh, shootings that we've had that, that at the point, at that, at the initial investigation, we had really no leads. Um, we're also right now working, uh, and still we still are working actively. We have 11 homicides this year. Uh, so far, we're actively working almost all 11 of them, even though we've cleared uh, we've either cleared with an arrest or are preparing for grand juries on, I think, around eight, eight of them right now. We're looking at, uh, we've either made an arrest or going to grand jury on. Uh, we still will be actively working those cases for some time. Uh, a normal homicide or death investigation, well, let me say a normal homicide case, we'll normally put about 300 manpower hours into the investigation before an arrest is even made and then probably looking at another additional 300 hours of work on that case after the arrest. Uh, as you know, y'all have the district attorney's office up here uh, monthly as well, and you can see the intricacies of, of, the, of going to trial, particularly on a major case like a homicide. Uh, we also work a number of death investigations. We're called out for the majority of death investigations. Uh, so far this year, we have actively um, involved in either suicide, suspicious deaths, or just unanswered, being able to not answer why why the person died at that point in time, or drug overdoses. Right now, we're working, I think, somewhere around 120 of those this year. Uh, again, those those death investigations, they, they will run anywhere from uh, 20 to 40 manpower hours that we will be spending on those cases alone. Um, so, and then, of course, we work shootings, uh, aggravated assaults, attempted murders. Again, we follow up. Even even if there is no victim, let's say if officers go out, they find shell casings, they get a report that there's been a shooting. They go out, they find shell casings. Then we'll uh, follow up with the Nibin system uh, and, and work on uh, trying to generate leads to follow up on that. Uh, we also try to work with our crime analysis unit as well, our, our, our two crime analysts who do an excellent job for us, um, because we look at, and like I said, we're looking at social networks, and a lot of times our victims and our suspects are all su interact, the are, are the same folks interacting together, acquaintances, and, and so we work with them as well. Um, going through past investigations and information like that to work on new leads and develop new leads for these current investigations. Now, as you work with the other police departments, especially some of the cities like Chattanooga, Knoxville, uh, we have compared information about school sizes and things of that sort. Uh, as you look at Chattanooga, are we having similar numbers of cases? Are there is their police department similar in size to what we have in Murfreesboro, or has Murfreesboro gotten larger than Chattanooga? Uh, the last time I really sat down with anybody from Chattanooga Police Department and discussed the department sizes, I think they were still just just a little bit bigger than us as far as uh, manpower, 
uh, personnel on the ground, uh, sort of speak. Um, as far as talking with them about criminal activity, as far as like, because I work, like I said, we work violent crimes, and so and that's that's kind of what uh, folks that I will be dealing with there. Uh, we're very fortunate here in Murfreesboro. Um, our, our, our it seems that talking with those guys down there, their their violent crime is is a little higher than ours. Not not extremely higher, but. They still they they've got seems to have a few more issues than we do. They have a lot more tourists than we do. That that's a city built on tourism. Do you think that uh, having tourists, people coming through town who don't live there, do they commit more crimes or are they victims of more crimes? You know, I don't I don't know really the the situation there as far as to answer that. I, I know what we have here. What I can what I can answer here is is for the most part, most of our criminal activity is folks from Murfreesboro. We do see occasionally those that come out of Nashville or West Tennessee. Uh, I won't say just Memphis, but but West Tennessee in general. Uh, these folks come here a lot of times, and and when we do see people come from other cities or maybe even other states that get involved in criminal activity here where it winds up being something that my unit will investigate violent crime. Uh, a lot of times those folks uh, we're looking at um, either going to be, there's going to be a drug or gang nexus in those types of cases. And, and Bart, I, I would say that Chattanooga, their population-wise as far as numbers is is not that far away from us however their police department is significantly larger the last i checked they are at 501 uh we're right at 300 um and i think one of the things that's different about chattanooga than murfreesboro even though the the population numbers are similar chattanooga is a much more um urban and heavy industrial town as things that you would see kind of like in nashville whereas in murfreesboro uh, we have some of those things, but uh, for the most part, uh, mo- more residential. Uh, we don't have near as as large of the industrial footprint, nor the their downtown area, which is a lot of uh, corporate headquarter businesses and a lot of people that frequent coming through there for that travel there to work. Uh, whereas, like we would have a lot of people that might travel to Nashville, Franklin, Cool Springs to work. So, all those things, <clears throat> excuse me, play a factor into those. Uh, they also have a, a good-sized university now with UTC. That's becoming a lot more popular um, uh, university to attend, just like with us having MTSU. So um, just a couple of little comparison things, and all those factors, just they play different roles. I'm glad you brought up the university because uh, I know that it seems a lot of the shootings have been around the university. Uh, do you find some kind of relationship there? These are not always students that are being uh, involved, but uh, sometimes students are the ones who are the victims. I think based on really research that has been done through by, uh, by a number of criminologists uh, throughout the United States, we know that where you see a heavy transient population, you're going to see uh, criminal activity. And so when you look at the number of of basically transient neighborhoods around MTSU. It, there's a lot of uh, apartment complexes, rental homes, and, and those things that people come and go from. 
And so I think what you see is uh, a lot of or a lo- um, less collective efficacy, I guess you could say, of the, of the citizens that live in those areas. Um, it's not their home. So, you know, when you own a home and, and you're worried about property values, you're worried about your other neighbors as well, you're also paying attention to what your neighbor's kids are doing. Uh, because you feel like, you know, it, that's part of the neighborhood. That's that mystique about the neighborhood. Um, you start looking at neighborhoods where you have a lot of transient population coming and going. Folks are, you know, folks are very concerned about getting inside and, and not really paying attention to what's happening around their neighborhood. Okay. So i tell you what, we're going to pause for just a moment when we come back. It'll be your segment, and if you have a question or a comment, you can call us or text us. It's up to you, 615-893-1450, 615-893-1450. We're talking about law and order here in the heart of Tennessee. We're also in the uh, Christmas season, and that, believe it or not, brings an increase in some types of crime. We're going to be talking about those crimes and perhaps how you can lessen your chances of being a victim of those crimes. Stay with us, won't you? Sergeant James Abbott with us, Lieutenant Clayton Williams, and Public Information Officer Larry Flowers. Between those three, we can find an answer for you. 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. Start your mornings with WGNS. Weekday mornings at 9. The Truman Show. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10 on the stations of WGNS. Hi, this is Jenny Harrison at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. I want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts has the right gift for your special person from great gift baskets, candies, coffees and teas, mugs, cups, and have trinkets, handmade things, Thing you never know what I'm going to have in the shop. Ryan's Flowers, Coffees, and Gifts, 117 South Academy Street. Please come see us. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's Chicken and Rice Soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. I'd like to mention that Christmas is coming up. If you're shopping for someone special, bring them into the Music World and Drummer's Den. Hello, this is Dan Mitchell. We have beginner pack guitars. We have specials for Christmas. Like I said, we have beginner packs of every kind of instrument, lessons of all kinds, everything you need in the music world. We have it here. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church Street, right across the street from Indian Hills Golf Course. 
Good morning. Watch the traffic increase quite a bit in the last few minutes on 24 coming past 840 headed towards Nashville. It's like people are just now getting out and about moving around headed uh, down 24. Traffic still looks good 840 over towards Franklin Williamson County. Just watch your speed. Sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies December 26th and 27th. Check it out at Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high into the upper 40s. Northeast winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, increasing clouds alone near 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 18. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County but will always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Now more than ever, start your mornings with WGNS. The Action Line with Bart Walker. Weekday mornings at 810 on WGNS AM, FM, online. Welcome back. It is 831. 831. Good morning to you. Our birthday winner from Simply Pure Sweets is Kathy Wade today. Happy birthday to Kathy Wade. Our phone number, if you want to join us, 615-893-1450. Sergeant James Abbott is with us, Lieutenant Clayton Williams, and Public Information Officer Larry Flowers. All from the Murfreesboro Police Department, Larry. We're moving into a time of the year where people are involved in more criminal activities uh, around grocery stores, uh, retail stores, uh, anywhere people are shopping. You'll find uh, people there looking at uh, doing some some things they should not be doing. Uh, what can people do to reduce their risk of, of being a part of that? Uh, good morning, Bart. Glad good to morning here. to you. It's good to have you here. Yeah, typically around this time of year, you know, the Christmas season, um, you know, shoppers are more susceptible to, you know, being taken advantage of. So, you know, as always, so, you know, what we do is encourage people to just be vigilant. Um, you know, if they're shopping and happen to bring their merchandise out in their vehicle, you know, to always, you know, hide it from plain view, you know, preferably put it in the truck of a vehicle or if you're in an SUV in the back of that vehicle so it's not in plain sight. You know, uh, those things typically happen around some of the big um, store parking lots, you know, uh, your area Walmarts or your mall area. So just be vigilant and, and not uh, leave that stuff in plain sight so that you won't become uh, a victim, you know, of a crime. And uh, business owners can be a little more vigilant as well. And typically they try to increase their security in the mall areas and things like that each, you know, this time of year. So, you know, um, just be mindful that that some people are are going to uh, try to take advantage of you and uh, just, again, be vigilant. Larry, it seems like people are more bolder now than they used to be. Uh, One of the things that uh, you've sent some information out uh, this past week on was a person trying to push a a cart with a thousand something dollars worth of merchandise in it 
uh, out the door, and a loss prevention officer uh, stopped the person. Uh, and they they kept on going. I guess they they left the cart, but they kept on going. That's pretty bold. Are you seeing a lot of that? We we have been seeing quite a few of those cases in some of the big box stores. You know, your Lowe's and your Home Depot, and uh, this particular case that you mentioned. You know, uh, detectives are are trying to find the identity of that person. Uh, right now, he attempted to uh, push like a card out that had contained $1,500 or more than $1,500 worth of items in the card. But as you mentioned, that loss prevention uh, officer was able to uh, stop him. And so he continued to walk out of the store, got into a black 2000s model Chevy Suburban, had an out-of-state license plate with uh, a female waiting inside. So not quite sure if they are actually from here, passing through or whatever, but of course, if uh, you you know happen to spot that particular uh, vehicle or or the person that's shown in the photos, you know contact uh, Detective David Harrison six two nine two zero one five five zero six. The guy was wearing a military hat, and uh, I saw on one of the social media posts that somebody said you know they they kind of pray that the guy's not you know military, you know and in need of help, but you know. Again, you know, that doesn't excuse anyone from trying to take something that's not theirs. I was surprised that he had a, a suit and a tie on. Right. You don't usually see a person doing that. He was dressed like he was going to to church or something. Yeah, he was well-dressed. So, uh, but again, you know, um, you know, criminals come in all shapes and forms and... What what do they do with this? Are are they going to sell the merchandise? I mean, his was mostly uh, tools. It looked like right. Um, I'm not sure exactly what this I mean, particular gentleman was going to do with it. Uh, but we did investigate a case uh, recently where you know um, people were going into these big big box stores, uh, taking power tools and drills, just anything they can get their hands on, and then they would go to a local pawn shop and. Um, you know, sell those items. And, you know, the good thing about it, the pawn shop, you know, are required to report, you know, all the items that they take in and, you know, pretty much put a hold on those items before they're able to resell them. So we were able to confiscate, you know, those items. And um, so it, it, it is a market. And, you know, that's typically what uh, most of these criminals are doing, you know, going in, taking these items that could be easily sold. And Sergeant Abbott, you were shaking your head yes when we were talking about is there a market for this? You're seeing it then. Yes, sir, we, we are. I mean, our, our property crimes unit has recently made several arrests in which the individuals, there's a there's a, a large market now on social media um, through Facebook and Instagram where these individuals will actually uh, take shopping orders, basically, and, and will go into these stores and se- uh, steal items that people will basically send out a list saying hey these are the items i want i'll pay this much money and these individual groups will go out and actually steal the items um, so we used to see uh, craigslist we don't see that as much anymore uh, because now you have facebook marketplace and other uh, social media sites that folks can uh, go to and actually sell these items well, now, people need to realize when you purchase a stolen item, 
and you pay money for that item if it is determined that it is stolen uh, that item can be confiscated from you and you not only lose the item but you lost your money that's correct and in some of these cases involving like some of the rings that, that our property crimes unit has recently seen out around the avenues uh, those individuals, uh, the individuals that were purchasing the items or, or sending out these shopping lists were actually aware that these items were being stolen. So they could also be charged as well as part of a co-conspirator. Okay. So uh, you need to be aware of that. Uh, I'm surprised that some of the pawn shops are buying these items, uh, especially if the item is brand new and in a box. Doesn't that create sort of a curiosity factor Somebody thinking that uh, what's what's with this brand new item being pawned? It does, and honestly, I mean, over the years we've we've actually have got a pretty good relationship with our pawn shops, and a lot of our pawn shops now will see that, and they'll immediately call police and be like, "Hey, you know, there's we got something here." Uh, we've also seen them where they'll call us and be like, "Yeah, the guy tried to bring it here, or the lady tried to bring it here, but we wouldn't even we wouldn't even purchase it or take it in." Um, and like I said, though, a, a lot of the a lot of the folks now are doing more social media than they are even doing pawn shops because they know that pawn shops are turning, they have to turn the information in as required by law, uh, that turn the information in that who's pawned these items. Now, are you finding some kind of a link occasionally between that type of crime and the more violent crime? Uh, Actually, in some cases, yes. Uh, and, and how we find that link is is that these these groups are very. Um, uh, I guess maybe let me back up. These groups that are that are doing this uh, will not hesitate to use violence if they think they're about to get caught. Uh, they often will flee from police if officers arrive on scene and they're already in their cars. They will often flee in motor vehicle. Uh, if not, uh, we've seen where they've also used uh, OC-type spray and even assaulted uh, store employees when store employees confront them uh, as they're trying to leave the leave the building. So they will use violence to uh, as part of their getaway. Uh, that brings us back to an earlier crime that happened over off of, uh, I, I guess, uh, out toward Greenland Drive, the MGM beer and tobacco store. Uh, I, I think you haven't gotten a whole lot of evidence on that one, but uh, are, are, is, is that situation something that has this mixed violent crime involved into it? Uh, in that case, that was a, just a store robbery. Uh, that the, went the, way wrong. That went, yes, sir, that went way wrong. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes we will have those types of robberies where there's no rhyme or reason why an individual is shot and killed. Um, that person wasn't killed. Right? No, sir. No, 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 sir, but he was shot. And, and I mean, anytime you shoot somebody, there, there's that potential that you're going to die. And so, um, but we've actually had robberies in the past where, you know, people were actually um, giving their property to the, to the suspect and they would still shoot them. Or in some cases, they've actually murdered people in the past uh, when when they this, the victims were cooperating. Uh, like I said, a lot of times there's you just never understand why some people and, will and will take it to that next level of violence. Things like like that particular crime, that person because you could see the timing 
on the surveillance video, they were not in the store for you know a minute, minute and a half, a short time. Uh, so they, they didn't have time to get into a long conversation and for the robber to get angry. Uh, so he must have thought about doing something before he went in there because he didn't have time to think about it. A lot of times they will, and, and, and you also have to understand that, I mean, you're talking split seconds here where these people, these folks will start to panic. Uh, and and a lot of times I've seen suspects where they will panic within a second or two, real panic about, and everything seems to be going fine, and they will panic and they will either use violence or flee the scene, which uh, uh, rather they do, um, and, and not take anything, and you'll see a big pile of money there. They just left. They just... Like I said, you don't really know what's going through their mind at that very moment, but there is something there a lot of times that will send them that that panic mode, and that's when we see that propensity to use violence. Now, I remember years ago, Crime Stoppers would get a lot of response from from individuals who were possibly criminals themselves because they would rat on each other because you'd get $1,000 cash on that. Are you still getting that kind of response from crime stalkers? Uh, unfortunately, not as much as I see. Um, I know that in my unit we don't um, really uh, receive a lot of information. We may get one or two tips uh, every few months. Um, so really, um, you know, it, it, it's a good program. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, you do see tips, and, and probably maybe other units may see them a little bit more than, than a mine. Um, you got to remember, my, my unit is dealing with violent crimes. And so a lot of folks, you know, $1,000 is not going to persuade someone to come off of information about a homicide. I mean, it's just not. Uh, especially when, if there is a gang or drug nexus to that homicide or shooting, uh, folks are scared. And they'll tell you they're scared out there, and and they feel like they're intimidated by these gang members or these drug dealers, and and so uh, there's a lot of fear um, out there because of that. And a thousand dollars is not going to help them overcome that fear. Now, when you talk about gangs and drug dealers, are are these the ones that you see on the news on TV uh, from California, from New York? Are, are these the, the big groups, or are they just small wannabes? Uh, for some of our folks, they are actually they are gang members. They are hardened gang members. They came from, and most of them actually were recruited or came out of Tennessee Department of Corrections. Uh, honestly, when they're if they're in jail and prison, a lot of a lot of individuals will uh, gravitate to a gang. A lot of times for protection and things of that nature. So when they come out. They are in the gang, and I have seen gangs. Um, I worked a federal prosecution with the Vice Lord some years ago, and in that case there, we actually saw where gang members who were leading or in charge of the gang, one of the, one of the main gang members who was in charge of the gang was in prison. He was, at that time, still in Brushy Mountain Prison, and he would send out letters to individuals as they were getting out of the gang or getting out of prison, reminding them of their their dues or their oath to the gang and what they had to do to out here on the streets for the gang 
Um, and so you you see that, and, and of course that individual had numerous connections with the vice lords out of Chicago. So you will see that those individuals, and like I said, you will have a few folks that will gravitate around them that are the wannabes or that'll hang out on the peripheral. Um, again, though, it's not like a huge segment of our city that has you know when I talk about folks that are. When I talk about people that are involved in violent crimes, whether they be individuals who have committed violent crime or victims of violent crime, we are talking about a very small subset of this city, probably less than 2% of the, of the people that, are, that live here in Murfreesboro, maybe even more around 1%, are actually involved in these groups, are involved in committing violent crimes. That would be their homicides, shootings, robberies. Um, at the same time, you, we find, though, that about 85 to 90 percent of all of those individuals all know each other. They're acquaintances. They're friends. They all are part of that social network. And so, um, you know, that's that's where we see that. That's how come we see those individuals that will start claiming a gang or, or other things because they want to be they want to be with their buddies. They want to hang out with their buddies. Like I said, you do have a few here in this city. I'm not going to say you don't. That are, that are very hardcore. They came out of the system. They came out of Memphis or other cities uh, across the United States and have brought it here. But at the same time, the majority of the, the followers that are there with them are what we call hang, on, hang arounds or followers or, or wannabes with them. We have a text here from a listener who says that they have a child in their family, a teenager, that uh, they're concerned with who is using drugs and hanging around the wrong people, will this type of connection get them into the larger gangs and, and perhaps even bigger problems down the road? Yes, it will. I mean, and I hate to say it, but a lot of times, a lot of times, our you know, when I talk about the the hardcore members, uh, they're not the ones out here doing the shootings. They're not the ones out here robbing and stealing and, and or doing homicides or shooting people. They, it's their hangarounds, their followers that they send out with their guns. Like I said, that's how come we were talking earlier about the social network and how guns get passed around from person to person. Um, they will steal these guns. They'll, a lot of them will send young people or teenagers, juveniles out initially, and I think that's part of the issue you're seeing in Nashville. You've got these juveniles that are in Nashville where they're going out stealing guns, stealing cars. And a lot of times it's for the bigger uh, the bigger organization as far as the gang maybe or activity. Um, and these individuals, when they're stealing these guns and then they start passing them around amongst each other, and, of course, your your leadership in these gangs will actually send folks out and say, hey, no, you're going you're gonna to earn your dues and go out and, and commit a crime. Here's another text from a listener. This one's asking about... Uh some of the things that are going on with the older cases, they seem to get solved uh, after several years. Why is that information coming forward late in a case when it was not presented earlier? One of the things that we've learned in the past with, with working these types of cases, like I said, you'll get out there to a shooting or a homicide, and you will not have the answers at that moment. We may not have the answers for weeks or months. And sometimes you go back and start looking at the older cases as well. Um, right now, my unit, right now, we've got, uh, like I said, we right now we are we've either charged or are in the process of indicting at least nine individual or nine cases of the nine of the eleven homicides this year. Uh, I just went back and looked at my numbers, um, 
And actually, in some of those cases, we've actually went back and used older information and evidence obtained from other other cases and watched interviews of individuals and witnesses and suspects in those other cases to help solve these current cases. Because, you know, a lot of the cases um, we will see today's suspect will be tomorrow's victim or today's victim will be tomorrow's suspect. So we're kind of using intelligence-led investigative techniques or strategies to try to solve these cases by using information from past uh, cases, looking at uh, various different uh, evidence that we may collect from those other past cases for names, nicknames, information that that we may obtain from during interviews. Uh, A lot of times interviews are great just, just sitting there talking with people, not just necessarily talking about the specifics about that case, but who all these people hang around uh, and they, they know by nicknames. We're talking this morning about law and order here in the heart of Tennessee. It is a growing problem. Visiting with us from the Murfreesboro Police Department, Sergeant James Abbott, Lieutenant Clayton Williams, and Public Information Officer Larry Flowers. We'll be back and continue the conversation. We have a few more text messages that are coming in. And if you want to get your question in, the number to call, 615-893-1450. A word to the wise. Don't wait until the show's about over. I mean, we're getting close. We're in the last segment coming up. So if you have a question, get it to us now. Sometimes strange things can happen. Coast to coast, all night, every night. There's really no reason to be afraid. On WTNS AM FM online. Schedule online anytime. Getting an appointment with Ascension Care Teams at St. Thomas just got easier with online scheduling. Now you don't have to break away from your day to book the care you need when and where you need it. No matter where you are or what you're up to, whether you're a new patient or if you've been here before, just pick the appointment that works for you. Schedule online anytime at GetSTHealthCare.com. This is Jeff Graham with Tire World. I want to invite you to visit our new off-road department at our Memorial Boulevard location, featuring lift kits, leveling kits, light bars, as well as wheel and tire packages. Just come by and ask for Gator for all your off-road needs. That's Tire World on Memorial Boulevard. Are you looking for a terrific gift for the do-it-yourselfer? This is Rich Schmidt with more savings from Haines Bay Hardware. Haines Bay Hardware has a Master Mechanic 100-piece screwdriver and bit set for only $24.99. This complete set includes 23 screwdrivers and an array of commonly used bits and accessories. There's virtually a screwdriver for every project you might be working on. Make sure to pick up this bargain the month today along with other tools at great prices while supplies last at Haines Trevay Hardware. 1807 Memorial Boulevard. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high into the upper 40s. Northeast winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, increasing clouds alone near 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 18. Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro, offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on site rehabilitation. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Enjoy gentle joint exercise in the indoor pool, our soda shop, and many planned activities and trips for every taste. 
Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back. Our number is 615-893-1450. You can talk or text, whichever you prefer. Sergeant James Abbott with us, Lieutenant Clayton Williams, and Public Information Officer Larry Flowers. We're in the final segment, so if you have a question, get it to us quickly. They're all from the Murfreesboro Police Department. We have a question here from a listener who's obviously in the retail business, and they're saying that in the past you used to have some classes on how to uh, make your business safer, especially during holiday shopping and things of that sort. Do you still offer programs like that? Uh, We do. Our community engagement um, division does, but since we're in uh, the era of COVID now, you know, most of those uh, classes have been put on hold uh, because we're trying to limit uh, the number of people in our in, in the uh, police headquarters. That sort of creates a problem for everybody. I mean, the, the COVID-19 issues, uh, does it create a problem in, in gaining evidence and doing investigative work? You know, I mean, we've tried not to let it interfere i mean i hate to say that but you know um we we try to use as much caution as possible but we have to get out there and interview folks we don't we we don't have that ability to shut down um so we have to go on we have to bring people in for interviews and and use the interview rooms and we're in close proximity with folks and we go out and uh into into houses and, and apartments a lot of times to execute search warrants um, unfortunately, like I said, we don't have that ability just to back up and say, yeah, COVID-19, we're, we're, we're out till there's a vaccine. Uh, we don't have that ability. So it, it does, it does cause us to have to back up and, and reevaluate how we're going to do it, but we're still going to actually go out and do it. And the good thing about it, Bart, uh, the department does issue, uh, you know, protective equipment for our officers yes. so that they're not you know, out directly exposed to people. So they do keep, you know, uh, mask, backup mask, and even sanitize their vehicles, uh, you know, at the end of their shifts and beginning of their shifts to make sure, you know, um, we're not exposing ourselves to I hadn't to even thought about the, the sanitizing uh, because you arrest somebody, you put them in the car, and a lot of they talk about the metal surfaces hold the germs. Got a lot of metal surfaces there. So it's very true. And like I said, we you know, that's one of the things that we have to think about when we go out and do these interviews or search warrants or, or what we're doing with someone is having those resources, make sure our folks have those resources available um, to to accomplish their mission and, and try to do it as safely as possible. Have you been able to keep the number of officers who've contracted uh, COVID nineteen to a low number? I'm going to give that one a little to Larry. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you know, we can't talk about, um, you know, medical issues if a person has, you know, contracted, uh, you know, COVID or not. But, you know, the public can rest assured that our higher-ups at the police department are doing everything they can to make sure our officers are safe. Again, they are issued uh, protective equipment, um, 
you know, we try to limit the number of people in the lobby of the police department. You know, we offer a whole lot of online services. So, um, you know, where they can get, you know, their daily business with the police department done, a simple uh, report, they could, you know, uh, um, request that through records by uh, via email and things of those nature. But, uh, again, uh, our police chief, uh, deputy chief, and the rest of our higher-ups are, you know, constantly reminding, you know, our officers to be careful, be vigilant while they're out uh, interacting with the public. Before we leave this morning, one of the areas that uh, seems like it would be very popular this time of the year is the area out in front of the police department where you have, I think, surveillance camera. And you encourage people to, if you're selling something, do it there. Uh, A lot of selling going on during the Christmas season, I would imagine. Right, definitely. Uh, We do have a safe exchange zone at the police department, dedicated parking spaces where people can meet up uh, for Internet purchases and exchange. And that's what we would encourage. You know, we want people uh, who may be buying uh, items off the Internet. Uh, you know, Sergeant Abbott had mentioned it earlier about, um, you know, a lot of online interactions. And, and, you know, so we do want people to, you know, just be extra cautious when they, you know, buying and selling those valuable items uh online and you know want them to complete those transactions through daytime hours you know you know never invite strangers into your home you know do not go to theirs you know insist on meeting at in a public place and the one thing i always say bart is if you're selling something and you ask that person to meet you in the parking lot of a police department and they refuse Nine times out of ten, they're up to no good. So uh, we do encourage folks to use that safe exchange zone at the police department parking lot. A special thank you today to Sergeant James Abbott, Lieutenant Clayton Williams, and PIO Larry Flowers for joining us from the Murfreesboro Police Department.